Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the Buffalo Bills. This is the Bills Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now, here's your host, Ryan O'Leary, and Bills Wire editor, Nick Woten. Okay, right off the bat, Nick, I got to ask you. I know Joe Flacco didn't play in this game, but the Jets total, the under, it hit again. The Jets only scored 10 points against the Bills. I think the over-under was like 17 and a half. Did you listen? Were you on board? Did you bet the Jets under in this game? <laughs> uh, I should have. I should have. Oh, come on, you're close. killing me, Nick. You're killing me. So what really got me is I was looking at this over-under spread, and I did make the veteran decision. I did not pick the spread in this one because it's the first time all season. I had a buddy of mine who was going, you got you got to do it. The Jets haven't covered a spread all year, and I'm like, <laughs> I don't know. I've seen the Bills the last few weeks. I think this is the week. And I listened to that, but of course I didn't listen to any, anything else. You, you were probably Sorry. scared off by that Bills defense, and they actually came through in this game against the uh, just embarrassing, terrible Jets. The Bills did. They came through. They, the defense played a good game. Uh, so again, Bills fans and anyone listening to this podcast, look at the Jets' team total, not the over-under, the team total. You can look at that. It's like a prop bet. Usually it's around 17, 18, 20 points. And if it's anywhere over like 16, you got to bet the under. The Jets are a freaking embarrassment. Which brings me to my next point, Nick. What should we make of these Bills after trailing the Jets at halftime? Like what? I was sitting there. I was I was laughing. I was scratching my head. I'm like, what is going on? Now, I did say last, last week in our show tongue-in-cheek you know the bills should just study the patriots and just roll it out there against the jets did they actually do that did they just focus on the patriots all week and just go out there and slap it around against the jets because that was kind of ugly it was kind of like well on offense it was kind of like steady as she goes throughout the whole game and the way i described it was well you know how we made a big deal the last two years josh allen doesn't have a 300 yard game because it's kind of the benchmark it sort of happens in the nfl right guys just get 300 yards even though the team kind of looks like crap well, that literally just happened with the Bills. He got 300 yards, and he kind of looked at it and was like, wait, he had 300 yards? He didn't even play that well. So yeah, didn't that kind of, like it. I use that, that to explain why people were kind of so upset or pointing to all the time why Allen doesn't have 300 yards. I mean, he had 300 yards in the offense. Looked steady as she goes throughout the game, but then just stalled, obviously, with all the field goals. Then on the flip side, defensively, it was um, an F in the first half almost. Um, you know, Sam Darnold never really got going. But again, Frank Gore, this is the guy the Bills said, hey, we're good. We don't need you anymore. We don't need you. Uh, they basically said it midway through or three-quarters of the way through the season last year when they started turning things over to Devin Singletary more. They said, hey, this guy can't get it done. Well, in the first half, he was gashing the Bills for eight yards of carry on first down. It was, you know, uh-oh, here we go. More of the same. They can't stop the run. Then all of a sudden in the second half, I, I think maybe the Jets got a little gun-shy nervous Maybe a little bit too early. I'll give the Bills defense credit because, I mean, the Jets only had four total net yards in the second half. you got to tip it to the Bills defense. A-plus for that. Probably close to an F in the first half. <laughs> but um, I, I think the Jets just, I don't know if they just wanted this is give, give the ball to Darnold more. They just kind of stopped running the ball a little bit in the second half because there's still, again, some underlying issues with the Bills in this one. But, hey, you know, they, they got it done. And um, 
five and two, right? Uh, that survive in advance. It was kind of you know it felt, felt like a March Madness kind of game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no doubt. And, and any and I think uh, at halftime the Bills just looked at each other and said, "Guys, this is freaking embarrassing. We're losing to the Jets. Like, what are we doing? Like, so many survivor pools hanging the balance. We can't do that. We can't lose this ball game. You know, we got to win. We got to win. No, but I mean, I think if Bills fans didn't watch this game, they said, "Oh, we're playing the Jets. Like, uh, I don't have to watch. I'm going to go. You know, I'm going to go to the pumpkin patch and find a pumpkin for Halloween. I don't know. Whatever, you, whatever people do, go to the apple orchard. I don't know. What what do people?" <laughs> We could talk about what people do in Buffalo. It's probably something way more aggressive yeah. than that. But, you I mean, you look at some of the stats. The Bills ran 72 plays in this ballgame, Nick. 72 plays. They turned that into 18 points. Obviously, it was all the kicker. They were penalized 11 times for 106 yards, so that's not good. Uh, I read on the Bills wire, it's the first NFL team since 1941 to win a game in which they did not punt nor score a touchdown. So that means you're playing the Jets. That's exactly what that means, right? So, so yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I, yeah go ahead. And I was just going to say, interestingly, that other game, there was another New York team involved, and it was Brooklyn. <laughs> Brooklyn had a team, apparently, yeah, in 1941. Look at that, his, that history lesson right there from Nick Wotan. I love it. How concerned of you are you, Nick, about the uh, Bills' red zone struggles and what to make of it? Obviously, you're playing a team that's that's not very good. The Jets are, are competing for the number one pick next year, more than they are competing to win ball games. I think. And, uh, you know, I'm going to give the Bills a little bit of a break because division opponents, especially in the AFC East, these games always tend to be close. We don't see a ton of blowouts in the AFC East, even when the teams are, are, are not very good. So I, I'm not that surprised that the game was close and that the Jets covered the spread, even though I did bet the Bills at minus nine and a half. So they killed me on that one. Come on, Bills. You're killing me. You know, how concerned are you about the Bills getting in the red zone and just not being able to score? We've seen this for a couple of weeks. They're just not scoring points, you know, under 20 points now for three straight weeks, right? So this is a little concerning. Yeah, you're telling me killing me. The Seahawks killed me on Sunday night. I, I accidentally fell asleep during the game, Ryan, and I woke up and I'm like, how the heck is this game in overtime? And we know how that one went. <laughs> but uh, yep. damn Seahawks. Yeah, no, I think the Bills... Um, you know, they might just have to, as cliche as it sounds, they might just have to get a little bit more creative in the red zone. I mean, what uh, Josh Allen stands kind of always have had, you know, to fall back on. I don't think he's ever thrown an interception in the red zone. It might be legitimately zero or maybe one or two. He, of course, had a fumble in the red zone this week, but he never throws interceptions. Uh, he kind of fumbles all over the field. That kind of doesn't uh, doesn't matter. He seems to not want to hold onto the ball. He has 25 career fumbles, I believe now. Yeah, I think they might have to get a little bit more creative with what they're doing. I mean, a, a, a lot of those runs were just kind of airmailed right there uh, in the red zone. And uh, you know, I don't want to I don't want to see them toss those goal line fades because I mean those are just mind numbing to see. It's just such a such an uncreative play to just do that in the red zone. But I think the Bills just have to get a little bit more creative. Maybe try to get some guys over the middle of the field like Cole Beasley's kind of eating up defenses up the first eighty yards of the field, right? Uh, and right. then in the red zone, he he kind of just doesn't get in there. Also, uh, speaking of Beasley and uh, the other guy who really stood out was tight end Tyler Croft, and these guys kind of. Both had two mirrored plays that uh, kind of would have made our discussion and your bet feel a lot better, Ryan. Um, it, it seemed like there was – Cole Beasley had 12 targets in the game. He had 11 catches. The only play he didn't make the catch – he literally did catch the ball. It's a very nice catch, but the, the, the Jets defender in him kind of had like a bump. And he went out of bounds, and then, you know, you got a bounce, you come back in, you catch the ball, and it's not a catch. That's, you can't do that. The other one was a 38-yard uh, pass to Tyler Croft, the tight end, right down the sideline. It was a blown coverage. I think it was a mixture of it, just, you know, maybe Croft having two left feet, uh, and then uh, Josh <laughs> Allen's pass being maybe a tad bit too high. He jumped up for it, but it looked like he caught it in his stride enough that he should have ran down the sideline for a touchdown. 
tripped up. He fell over. The defense caught up to him. It wasn't quite Daniel Jones of last week, you know. That was that was kind of there's nobody within 100 yards of him, and he still didn't make it to the end zone. But the Bills could have been there. But I, I think to have to get a little bit more creative in the red zone with the passing plays, maybe some more crossing routes, spread things out a little bit. Maybe they spread it out all throughout the field. But like typical NFL teams, you know, us experts who play Madden, we're not going to put, you know. 11 defenders in the box by just going a, a goal line heavy play every single time that's teams kind of do uh, against the bills and everyone else in the league they just, you know it's mind-numbing to see yeah, like, stop yeah, doing yeah. that at the goal line just spread it out seriously anyways, yeah 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 so i mean i think i think we all could agree the bills are playing their best football of the season right now the patriots aren't either so this makes this weekend's uh, matchup all the more interesting and it's a big game the bills have a chance to literally bury bill belichick in the pats so we're going to devote the rest of the program to bills patriots a game that you know Buffalo fans have been circling on the calendar, the Bills Mafia. I'm going to feed that fire a little bit to talk about Josh Allen and John McDermott's record against Belichick and the Pats. It is not pleasant. So Nick and I will get into that coming up next. Fantasy football is about proving that you are better than your friends. Sit them, start them. These are the fantasy picks of the week. It will kill me if this game ends in a tie. I need this win. This game's pretty much done. With Corey Bonini from TheHuddle.com. Corey Bonini with TheHuddle.com here. Let's talk about week eight strong plays as we approach the critical time of the fantasy football season. Despite what has been an awful season for Philadelphia Eagles quarterback Carson Wentz, now is the time to get him into your lineup. The Dallas Cowboys are actually a statistically mid-range defense against quarterbacks in 2020, but the position has still averaged 25.5 fantasy points per game and has thrown 15 touchdowns in seven contests versus just one interception. Wentz has been a turnover machine in 2020. Expect that trend to be bucked this week. He has just enough weapons to be relevant in a fantasy football lineup. Not much has gone right for the New England Patriots on either side of the ball in 2020. Running back Damian Harris could be the bright spot this week against the Buffalo Bills. Injuries have plagued this defense, and Buffalo has given up 15% more fantasy points than average in the last three games, fueled by four touchdowns allowed in those three contests. With Cam Newton struggling so much throwing the ball, look for Bill Belichick to give it to the running game more than usual. The Seattle Seahawks have been a wealth of fantasy points for wide receivers in 2020. 49ers receiver Brandon Ayuk has a chance to shine in Week 8. Seattle has been hilariously bad against wide receivers in 2020, giving up 60.1 PPR points per game. The next closest team is Cleveland at 48.3. San Francisco just lost Debo Samuel for a couple of games with a hamstring injury last week, and you can bet Ayuk, who has been a consistent contributor as a rookie, will find various ways to perform up to par in fantasy football in Week 8. Seattle has to focus on containing George Kittle, and that will give a lot of opportunities for Ayuk to use his speed down the field. Chicago Bears tight end Jimmy Graham gets a rematch against his former employer, facing the New Orleans Saints. Tight ends have scored once a game on average versus this defense, and four different players have logged at least a dozen PPR points against New Orleans in 2020. Graham doesn't even need a lot of volume in this one to offer a better than average chance at finding the end zone in week eight. For all of your fantasy football tips, information, news, and advice, be sure to check out thehuddle.com. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
All right, Nick, I went into my uh, research vault here. I did some I did some prep work for this program this week, and the Patriots have beat the Bills in their last seven meetings. And Josh Allen's career stats against the Pats, I think you know, uh, are not good. He has a 48% completion percentage. He is averaging less than 200 yards per game, 192. Three touchdowns, five picks. And uh, in three games, he's rushed for under 100 yards against them. And his passer rating is 56.38. And also, Sean McDermott, Yet to beat the Patriots as head coach of the Bills, right? So even though the Patriots look like complete dog poo right now, and they do, they don't look good, and the Patriots are getting some of the worst quarterback play in the uh, in, in the whole league. I mean, this is one of the first times we could say the Bills. This is actually it's, this is definitely the first time we can say the Bills are have better quarterback situation than the Patriots. But will it translate? Right? History tells us that the Bills just don't seem to figure it out against the Patriots in the big spots. This would classify as a big spot, and I just I wouldn't be surprised, Nick, if the Patriots all of a sudden look like the best team in football this weekend and make it really hard on the Bills and beat them. That like fits the narrative of the Bills experience, right? Like even when you think they got it going on, they run into the Patriots and it's their time and it doesn't happen. Why do you think that Allen and McDermott have struggled so long and like when are they finally going to, uh, you know, buck that narrative? You're right though, Ron. I mean, even if you just go back to last season, right? I mean, the Patriots, you know, they had Brady, things were a lot different then, but there's a couple games there. I think it was maybe three quarters of the way through the season, halfway through the season, the second time these two guys met uh, or these two teams met, pardon um, hey, is, is Tom Brady washed? That kind of was the narrative, right? And the Bills are coming to town. They just won some games. They're pushing for the playoffs. They're probably going to make the playoffs. Here we go. It's time. And it was not time. The Patriots whooped them. And, and to your point, like you said, just, it just seems like if there's a team that the, the Patriots can get it right against, they reside in Western New York. It just but, doesn't, it doesn't uh, matter, right? Yeah. It just doesn't matter. It, it's like for some reason – the Patriots would figure it out this week after looking just absolutely dreadful against the Broncos and then against the uh, 49ers. And let me tell you, I watched those two games. That's, you know, that's my team out here in New Hampshire. That's the team we have to watch when we're not watching the Red Zone channel. When I tell you the Patriots are playing just dreadful football right now, it's dreadful. The Bills should win this game. They have to win this game. They're at home. They're favored, and they have to. But Nick, I'm not convinced. I'm not convinced that they will. <laughs> so that's that's what's scaring me, and it's got to be in the back of every Bills fan's mind, right? You know, kind of how we're expressing it now. We don't know how to put the words on it, but you know, get somehow, some way, it's just not going to be perfect with for the Bills. Kind of like it was last week, you know, against the, the, the Jets. It wasn't really quite perfect. So there's kind of reason to believe that maybe that'll happen again, unfortunately. But I think the Bills. Um, you know, I, I think they're kind of a little bit hitting their stride a bit um, again on offense after two losses. I mean, yeah, the Bills not really look super convincing against the the uh, Jets, certainly. But again, I think if Tyler Croft makes it to the end zone there, I think it, it, that's a totally different narrative. Same thing for Cole Beasley. But speaking of Cole Beasley, I mean, the last three games combined, I actually am doing a fantasy football write up now. Visit BillsWire.usatoday.com for who you should pick up on waivers. Here it is. In the last three games combined, Cole Beasley, uh, he has 21 catches for 210 yards and a touchdown, and he is only owned in 39% of ESPN fantasy football leagues. So there's some fantasy football help and <laughs> a point to be made about the Bills that they're they're kind of just taking what defenses are giving them, and it's not the sexiest plays. It's just you know kind of Cole Beasley running the same exact route the one you're thinking of Cole using your head right now Ryan is him running about five yards across the line of scrimmage and cutting across the middle and making a catch right, right. and that's all he's been doing for the Bills and you know he had 112 yards doing it last week and the Bills clearly with 11 targets to him they weren't afraid to to give it to him over and over here and our 12 targets with 11 catches pardon yeah I don't think it's all lost and I just think things are just you know starting to snowball in New England you can kind of see it you know between Cam getting benched no you know, he had COVID. There's a lot of guys that opted out there. The, 
Uh, you know, you, you, if it was any 31 other teams in the NFL, if it was any other team that went into a season with with what the Patriots had going on, they'd say, well, they're taking a step back. But because it's the Patriots, they always seem to find a way. It's always, it's almost even impressive that they found a way to two wins, right? I mean, you got Cam coming off of COVID, just injured throughout his whole career. So many guys opting out on that, you know, star-studded defense that they have over there. And um, Yeah, I, I think the Bills do get it done next week, but uh, my prediction was, was a close one, we'll say. I, I'm not happy the Patriots have two wins. I'd rather them either be really good or suck and, be, and get a better draft pick even though Belichick would just trade the draft pick anyway. You know what I mean? Like, whatever. But yeah, no, no, no. We're definitely seeing that, you know, Cam Newton, after looking really, really good early in the season, he could throw the football, he could run the football. All of a sudden, he gets COVID. Now he can't throw the football anymore, and he just looks like a completely different guy, and he looks like he's cashed. So that's a storyline to monitor, no doubt about that. I think the interesting part here is, uh, like I said earlier, the Bills have a chance to bury the Patriots, and I think they have to really relish that opportunity, right? Like, they have an opportunity. To not only beat the Patriots finally, a team they just have not been able to figure out. They're getting them at the perfect time. The Patriots are playing like crap. And if they win this ballgame, the Patriots fall to 2-5, and five, and they're really buried in the division. I don't see any way the Patriots catch the Bills, so their best chance will be to try to fight for a wildcard spot. And there's a lot of good teams in the AFC that are fighting for those wildcard spots. This is a chance for the Bills to bury Belichick. They got to relish that opportunity. They got to. Yeah, I think the difference too is you know you you know NFL teams they think that they're you get where I'm going with this they're <laughs> they're not prone to being the teams that you know we're we're football guys we know the job ahead of us we know what we have to do blah 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 that like you know every other sport you know we kind of use terms like you know looking past the Jets and stuff like that like no the Bills would never ever do that well. Um, I think maybe that was the case. Maybe oh, they did. Last week. Oh, they did. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Yeah. You look at the first half compared to the second half on defense, especially. I mean, it was great. And then, you know, on the flip side of that, I think that there was a huge, massive case to be played, made that the Bills, Sean McDermott, we, I think we've mentioned before, uh, breaking news if we have it, we record this on Tuesdays and we post later in the week. So Sean McDermott hasn't had his pre-Patriots press conference yet, Ryan. But I, I will bet anyone out there that he Copy is not going to make it a big, big deal. It's just a, no big deal. It's just the Patriots, right? It's the next game on the schedule. Yeah, just another That's game. That's why it's the most important one. Just a game. Just another game. Just a game. Just a game. Just no different crap. than last That's week. That's a bunch right, of BS. Right? Yeah, it's a bunch of BS is what it but, is. Yeah, yeah, to your point, I mean, Josh Allen's a young player, but, you know, he hasn't beaten the Patriots. He never got a chance to beat Tom Brady, you know. Now now he's going to go against them and try to get his first win. Sean McDermott, been there even longer, same thing. Those guys, you know, you got to think of, you know, the, the story from the game last week was Jerry Hughes actually getting an interception, the defensive lineman, the longest tenured player on the team. He hasn't beaten the Patriots very many times, so he's going to relish in this opportunity. So these guys are going to be fired up this week. I mean, really, you know, will they be uh, pumped up to just playing a game every week? Yeah, but come on, it's the Patriots. Sean McDermott's going to tell you otherwise on Wednesday. Everyone's going to tell you otherwise this week. But I think these bills are going to come out with a much better start than we've seen in the last couple weeks. Buffalo's last win against the Pats, 2016, when third stringer Jacoby Brissett was the starting quarterback for New England, and the Bills were being coached by the uh, Ryan brothers. So think about that. Yeah, I actually, That's how long uh, it's been. I actually, 
I remember that game. I actually covered it. That was my first time uh, in, up in Foxborough. I think it was what sixteen zero the final. I oh, it's, it it's a it's a beautiful it's a beautiful little place, huh? Foxborough in the middle of nowhere, down Route One there. Oh, just, middle of just, nowhere, oh, just a shopping mall. And I, I had a problem with a parking attendant too. It's you know it was it was annoying. That's yeah, a tough. That's a tough. We get, we made it, but the press box, um, in the press box, the clam chowder was phenomenal. So <laughs> that made up. Yeah, bad. yeah, no, and the, so, the, the, yeah, and the Patriots are known to give the reporters uh, lobster rolls. I've taken advantage of that in the past. So, uh, so, good, but you got to go to an AFC Championship game for that, right? Ah, in the press well, eating well. area, yeah, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. So, well, all right, I need, the, I need, I need, I need the Patriots to turn around then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the Patriots in the AFC Championship game, that can't be good for the Bills. So, uh, we, yeah. uh, and, and believe me, it's not happening this year. Trust me, trust me. So, uh, okay. So, if not now, when Bills? If not now, when Nick and I will pick up this conversation coming up next. <laughs> It's that time again for the line of the week. The inside track to the favorites, the underdogs, and the over-unders. I think I want my money back. Now, here are Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren from USA Today's Sportsbook Wire. Hello, I'm Eston McLaren of Sportsbook Wire and Bet Slippin' Podcast. I'm joined by Jeff Clark to break down all you need to know to bet on the Week 8 Monday Night Football matchup between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and New York Giants. The Bucs at 5-2 are favored by 10.5 points with minus 115 odds. The Giants, 1-6, are getting 10.5 points at home, minus 106 odds. They're also plus 390 on the money line. Jeff, is there any way listeners can take the Giants in this game? Oh, absolutely. I'm on the Giants plus 10.5. Tampa Bay will be without uh, one of its best wide receivers in Chris Godwin. And the Giants have covered seven over the last eight when getting double digits since 2004, including earlier this year against the Los Angeles Rams, who are a good team. Get out of here. The Giants offense, an absolute mess. The Bucks. They have won every game by at least seven points, four by at least 14 points, five different leading receivers. That Giants defense doesn't have it to stop them. Subscribe to Bet Seven Podcasts on your favorite app. Please be sure to rate and review. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Nick, one interesting thing about the AFC East is we're always talking about the Patriots, the Patriots, the Patriots, right? But when are we going to start looking at the Dolphins, right? The Dolphins are 3-3. Three and three. They're actually ahead of the Patriots right now. And the Bills had a really close win against the Dolphins earlier this season, and now it's two a time. I know we've been talking about the Pats, and that's the game this week, and that's the one we're focusing on. But what do you think about the Dolphins' chances of supplanting the Patriots as that team to beat in the AFC East? And if the Bills bury the Patriots this weekend, it's going to be Bills-Dolphins fighting for that AFC East championship. Tua taking over at quarterback, that's kind of an interesting little thing going on in Miami. What do you think about that? Yeah, no, I mean, uh, it's tough to almost answer that question because, you know, what what you just said, Ryan. I mean, we we saw the page or Patriots. Sorry. See, they're always the topic of the AFC. So even said the Patriots. Yeah, you can't. You can't help it. <laughs> the you Dolphins. Help it. Yeah, I can't help it. The uh, the the Dolphins now three and three. It's I'm so intrigued to see what goes on with this. This almost feels like a Brian Flores, Bill Belichick esque move. You know how yeah. you know, so many years Belichick gets rid of the guy before he he falls off a cliff. 
Well, what have we seen from Fitzpatrick in his career? We've seen about a 500 kind of guy who goes out there and slings the ball for a billion yards and then just throws a billion interceptions and you, you kick yourself and say, we should have got him out of the lineup before then. Maybe we could have had another win or two, which the NFL, at the end of the day, Every year in week 17, it's always you always look back when you're that um, in the hunt team, you're in that in the hunt graph, and you go, Well, man, if this could have happened, if he could have stayed in bounds here, there's always those little plays that happened. Maybe coming up in week eight for the Dolphins, that you know, maybe Fitzpatrick wasn't in and Tua was, you know what I'm getting at here, that sure. maybe. Brian Flores was trying to buck the trend there and get his young guy in. They had their bye week. They had two weeks to prep him. I, I don't hate the move by them. I, of course, as a, as a Buffalo guy, we all love Brian Fitzpatrick, so we hate to see that happen. Right, right. Um, yeah, you feel for him. But, he was so. all upset about it, too. And you wonder. It's like, yeah, it's yeah. Not like, yeah, you're right. Fitzpatrick does hit that wall, right? He'll be playing really well, and people that have him in their fantasy lineups will be loving it. And then all of a sudden... All of a sudden, it comes off the rails, right? So maybe it's some uh, you know forward thinking by the Dolphins to do it. But it was interesting. It makes you wonder, was Tua just tearing it up in practice? Or was this like an organizational plan? Like, were they planning, all right, going into the bye, this is what we're going to we're gonna turn the kid loose and give him a chance? Because I don't think the Dolphins uh, yeah, are I Super mean, Bowl contenders. So I, they I probably want to see what... Go ahead. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Um, uh, it, no, I was just going to say, it's got to be the organizational plan route, yeah. right? It was either that or his two completions and his two pass attempts yeah. were so damn impressive. First the Jets. First it's the one Jets. of those two. <laughs> yeah, yeah. First the Jets in garbage time. So I guess, do you do you think that's, are you sign off on that, Nick? You think that's, you're okay with that? Or do you think that's stupid? Do you think, do you think that's a good way to do it? To have it pre-planned like in the preseason that, okay, at this point, we're going to let Tua play. Like, you know, regardless of how the team's playing, regardless of how Fitzpatrick looks, regardless of whether the team has won a few games in a row, do you sign off on that kind of thinking? I, I sign off on it, yeah. You know, it's it could have been a, the plan all along, to your point, Ryan, and, you know, they're just kind of sticking to it. You know, they could have said, uh, you're sticking to it for Tua, uh, maybe. Some awesome good alliteration right there. I love, I love it. I love it. Um, <laughs> I tried a little too hard on that one. But, um, yeah, yeah, they could have been – this could have been the plan all along, no matter what. It doesn't sound like it from Fitzpatrick being so upset, or maybe it was, and Fitzpatrick just thought he did enough to keep his job, but – I'm I'm okay with this roll of the dice because I mean it's 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 almost the craziest roll of the dice, right? I mean, always benching the quarterback is is a roll of the dice, but when he's playing pretty well, it's like you got the guy in the bench who's a the rookie, but not just that. I mean, the reason why Joe Burrow was probably the number one pick was because Tua got hurt. If it wasn't for that, Tua was going to be the number one pick all along. I mean, the Joe Burrow hype seemed to not even come up until Tua got hurt last season, right? I mean, there was always those guys were always going to be the top picks. I mean, right. eventually, probably halfway through this the college football season, Joe Burrow turned enough heads to, hey, he's going to be a top pick. Because if we remember, I mean, Tua's been doing it for a couple of years as his final year in Alabama. But, you know, Joe, Joe Burrow was a transfer to LSU. I mean, he didn't even start for them until last year. And uh, he came out of nowhere. So, if it's not for that injury, are we talking about Joe Burrow replacing Ryan Fitzpatrick right now? I mean, I don't know. You, you never know what could have happened. All, all these what ifs, right? Right, right, exactly. Well, all I can say is good job, Bengals. Good job because Burrow can play. Kid looks really, really good. Really, really good. <laughs> yeah, so, does. okay. So, all I got to say is I don't think Bills fans should listen to the podcast next week if they lose. I just think because I'm going to be insufferable. <laughs> I am going to be insufferable. The Bills cannot lose this ball game. They just can't. We talked about it all year all year doing this show. This is our ninth episode doing this, Nick. Uh, kudos to you for showing up every week. Appreciate you. Nine episodes in. We've been talking about it all year. If not now, when? If not now, when? If not now, when? If not now, when the Patriots are just completely crapping all over themselves and playing terrible. 
The Bills get him at home at 5-2, and two, a chance to bury the Patriots and prove the 6-2 and two and really be in the driver's seat for the division. This is just the game against the Patriots. They have to reverse history, and they have to win this game. And if they don't, they're never going to hear the end of it from me. You know, so there, there's not, there's not. So I, I don't know, Nick. You might not want to show up next week if the Bills lose. You're, you're going to need to like really, you're going to have to really talk me down because I'm going to be fired up if the Bills lose this ball game. Yeah, no, and I don't blame you. You know, the Patriots have been, uh, I mean, the, the craziness that's going on there. And and to your point, if not now, when? And it's you know, uh, again, I was going to add, and you got to it before I could. It was a home game for the Bills, defending their turf against a team that's has just come there and embarrassed them on their own turf enough times where. You know, again, we know these football guys, nothing can affect them, right? They're just so tough and <laughs> right. mentally focused. Yeah, of course. Hell no. They're, they are going to come in here and say, you know, this uh, blue and silver and red, touch of red coming in here is, you know, beat us up on our turf so many times. And it's our turn to, to flex on them. And if that happens, it's going to be uh, it's going to be quite quite the partying in Western New York, I'm sure. Um, you know, socially distanced partying. You know, definitely, definitely do that, guys. Yeah. So, you know, it's going to be quite the quite the excitement uh, next week. Uh, I know, think, uh, or or it's going to be quite the excitement next week at this exact time. To your point, Ryan, or, you're throwing it at us. Yeah. At us so. Or I was going to say, or or all of Buffalo will be doing a, a socially distanced lighting of the city on fire. <laughs> so we'll see. Yes, we'll yes, see. One we'll of those. Yeah, it'd be a party or a riot after this game against the Patriots. So. I'm excited to see what happens. One o'clock game. I mean, this could have been a good game to flex the primetime. We got to watch what Giants Eagles on Sunday night and and uh, Bucks Giants on Monday. Like they could have flexed this one, but hey, one p.m. on Sunday. We'll see what happens. I'm looking forward to it, Nick. I always take the one p.m. games. It's better for my deadline. But <laughs> yeah, to your point. <laughs> no doubt. Thanks for joining us on the Bills Wire podcast. Bills, you better win. You better win. We'll talk to you all next week. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.